Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Stefan Venasco. Stefan is a photographer based in Los Angeles, California, and in this interview, I speak to Stefan about growing up in LA, his time being a sponsored skateboarder, and I also speak to Stefan about his approach to street photography, as well as some of his recent projects for Leica. I was excited to speak with Stefan as I've been following his work for a while and appreciate his honest approach to photography. So I hope you enjoy and thanks so much for listening. All right, uh, Stefan Venasco, welcome to the podcast, man. Uh, excited to meet you in the flesh. We've been uh, Instagram buddies for a while now. So uh, thanks for taking the time to do this, man. No problem, man. Happy to be here and uh, been checking out your podcast for a while. Um, thanks to Xander. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like what you do and, and, you know, more than happy to be a part of it and have a fun conversation with you. Yeah, man. And you were just out in my city in Boston, like, what, two weeks ago. Uh, what were you doing out there, man? I was out there doing some aerial work for a project with Leica. Um, I never been to the city and this opportunity just kind of came up and I was like, yeah, like I'll go to Boston and, you know, I've heard nothing but good things about it and grew up watching it and skating videos over the years. So yeah, it was, it was a good time out there. Definitely would like to go back. Yeah. What's that like uh relationship? Cause I know you kind of been doing different projects with Leica for, for years now, I think like, is it, they kind of hit you up to shoot stuff for them or like, what's that relationship like? Um, it's almost 10 years now having this with them. Um, it just by chance fell into place. I um, was already shooting Leicas. I had like, you know, an M6, you know, digital the M240 when it came out, some other lenses. Um, and then a guy that I know, Ashley, hit me up. And this is like 2013. And he was like towards like Art Basel time. And he's like, hey, like you shoot Leica, right? Yeah, I do. Oh, you got to meet this guy. He's doing this like new program with Leica. Um, you guys should just link. So I met up with um, this guy named David Gensler. Um, he was trying to do a project called Leica Craft. And, you know, I met, you know, another gentleman named Roland Wolf who works with Leica um, and just was able to establish a really good relationship with the internal people over there. And it's been just a really fun, you know, partnership or relationship over the years. Yeah, I think you actually did some stuff with uh, one of my college uh, friends, uh, Christopher Moore. Uh, he worked over there. I said, I think he, he might work on some projects or whatever, but, uh, yeah. What is it about Leica and stuff? I've never, I, I've shot an M6 back in the day, but I never could get over the rangefinder. I don't know if it's cause like if you get used to it, but especially in the dark, I always had the hardest time shooting rangefinder and like lining it up. But what is it about Leica? You, you, you've enjoyed shooting with their cameras. Um, I mean, obviously like I started, I tried everything when I started, you know, shooting, you know, Canon stuff was shooting Fuji stuff, the Sony stuff. Um, and I think obviously you hear the mystique of like this brand. I once I started to make enough money where I could, I could buy like a used M6 and get some stuff. What for me, what I liked was the Canon and all the autofocus systems. They're great at what they do. It just felt, I think I was looking for something more. And even on the digital system of an M, yeah. I love the ability to like, I'm manually focusing, I'm manually setting stuff. And if I miss a shot, that's me. It's not blaming the autofocus. And if I get the shot, it's me. Yeah. So it, it was just more of like that, um, involvement in making the photograph and so whether it's the you know analog m body or digital m body like they're so relative and through the years i've gotten to go to their headquarters and i see how they make the lens i see how the, and it's just like it's i get it like i get like why the glass is so good and what they do um so i've just been a fan across all their systems from the sl stuff to the s system like everything that i've gotten to use i felt like i've made some of my best work you know by being inspired by what they make yeah, like I'm never, I've never been like a super gear guy, but there is something to say like you want to enjoy the camera you have. Like even with like the digital stuff, like uh, I had some friends shooting like the Sony like digital cameras, and they can't the the pictures they take are great, good quality. But this like the way it felt in my hand, it felt like a toy. So it's like you, I feel like it is an important thing. Obviously, the gear is just a tool at the end of the day, but I feel like it is exciting to get a camera that you really enjoy. I don't know about you, but like when you get a new camera you buy or whatever, it, it kind of sparks you to like get out there. You feel that way sometimes? Oh, I mean, it's, it's a little kid in all of us. It's our Christmas complete when a new camera comes yeah. out. And I mean, same thing. I tried those Sony's cause I was like, Oh, I could put Leica lenses on it. But I was like, these things feel like more like computers and cameras. Yeah. And that's what I've applauded personally, just like as ethos, as far as design, and just taking chances, I mean, making digital cameras with no screen on the back, making digital cameras that only shoot black and white, like they do things 
that you're not going to get from Sony or these other brands. Yeah. And to me, like I, I really, I get inspired by that because it's like, yeah, like let's yeah. be creative, let's do something different. Yeah. And just to say, this isn't an ad for Leica right here. <laughs> I feel like yeah, I started. Yeah. Out, I still like the, I started off the podcast with like a Leica ad or something. It's funny, uh, but I, I think that is cool too. And I didn't realize Leica. Uh, they still make a film 35 millimeter camera. I just found that out like six months ago. They, yeah, they, they make two still. They make the MP and they make the MA. And it's yeah. like, you know, while everyone is kind of like abandoning yeah. film photography, like to be a company like that and still, you know, understand the yeah. importance of that camera. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It is funny. It is funny for me because like I started off shooting film. I think I, I started shooting like E6 Chrome and that I was like shooting 35 millimeter Chrome and go get it to process. And I burned through so much film trying to figure out my mistakes. And it's it, for me, like now it's interesting. There's like this renaissance of film, like so many people are shooting film now. Like, what do you think about it? Personally, like I don't shoot film anymore too much, but I think it's great that it's still around, you know? Yeah, I think it's I think it's great. I think, you know, we have to understand like a whole generation of kids growing up digital music, digital mo- everything, right? So it's like vinyl records, they yeah. want them to hear that. They want to shoot analog film. Yeah. Um I think it's great, but I also think that in some people they treat it as a crutch where it's like, "Oh, this is on film. This is a great photo, right?" Yeah. And it's like, "Well, depending on who you're asking, it might not be, but it's also understanding that a great photo, digital or film, yeah. Is, is a good photograph and you don't need to like let the medium dictate you yeah. know what makes it good or not yeah i agree i for me every the stuff that i i'm attracted to most it's it's less like a technical thing and it's like finding cool stories like in even uh looking at some of your work like i don't know if this is how you do it but it seems like you either like pick up a spot in LA or something. Like I think you had some cool photos you posted recently like on hollywood boulevard or something and it's just like you're telling the story of this place and yes maybe you're shooting it on film but that that's not the part that's interesting to me it's like it really seeing someone's vision and finding a cool story that no one's told before you know yeah i think a few years ago like you know you grew up in la and la is such a vast city like we were talking about earlier yeah so much to photograph and so much some days if you don't have like a directive for yourself like i'm gonna go here like you could throw your hands up in the air. Well, am I going to Malibu? Am I going to Venice? Am I going to downtown? Am I going, you know, so it's like, you could be sporadic, but I've learned to like pick a neighborhood, pick an area and like focus on that for a few weeks, a month, see what you're making, see if you're inspired and you, then you can go somewhere else. But like, uh, no matter what, I'm going here and I'm going to like, see what I get. So that's the process. Yeah. Like the type of work you do, like obviously you do a lot of different stuff. You do like portraiture, really great stuff. And then like the quote unquote, I always find the term like street photography kind of funny, but like all that documentary stuff, I think that is like the hardest type of work to do in my mind. Maybe it's because I'm not good at it, but being able to like go out in the world and like find like a cool moment, like one of your famous pictures is like a couple like kissing like on a subway. And it's like, it's like so good that you almost think it's like set up, but I'm, I'm guessing it's not. It was just, you were there at the right moment right yeah that was um a train station for the long island railroad in jamaica queens and i was just in this like black and white zone you know kind of like into abstract shadows and shapes and that's that station is like a lot of metal so it just went early in the morning that's what i was going for then like obviously this train pulls in and i look across and i see this couple embracing i'm just like jesus like you know and it was that was like an inspired moment from um Ralph Gibson, you know, had a big impact on like how I see photography. And he talked about this idea of a point of departure. It's like when you leave, pick something you're going to go photograph, right? So at least you have an objective that you're going to go do. But he said that along the way to that, you're going to see other things to photograph. So that was in New York. And like it was after I heard him talk and like literally like the three days I made like probably um, that picture, I made another picture that was just like, okay, there's something to this idea of like, follow an objective and you know even if it's on your own merit and see what else you come across while you're following that and do you feel like uh because obviously it's almost like uh like photography sometimes is almost like fishing in a sense like are there sometimes when you go out to like whatever location it might be and like you know maybe you just don't walk away with a good photo that day or it might be a week like is is that kind of part of the process it's like some days you get good stuff some days you don't i think for for myself what i loved about photography and over the years is like expansiveness of it that like if you go out okay i'm only focusing and looking for street moments then yeah yeah, you might not get anything but for me it's like 
well, I like architecture. I like abstract shadows. I like this. I like that. Like sometimes I'll, you know, there's that great Winogrand saying, it's like make a photo just to see what it looks like photographed. And so regardless, like I'm always trying to be attentive to like what is inspiring me or what's pulling me, you know, it may not be this big thing that I'm doing or looking for. Right. But it's like, let me at least have fun and have fun in the process and see like, oh, there's something to this. Let me explore this more. Yeah. And it's like, um, I went to college for photography and I had this professor and he would have us do all types of interesting stuff. Like one time he made us watch like Pan's Labyrinth with no sound. It was like a really, the cinematography was great. And it was, it was such a good exercise and something I, I still try to do now is like really just like looking at light. Cause like some of the cool images you do, like you're saying you like architecture and it might be like, this the way this lights like hitting this uh, shape or whatever and i don't know about you but like will you kind of use that as like reference to maybe you see that light and how it's shaping and kind of keep it in your mind like maybe you're doing a portrait down the line and this really you feel like you just kind of learn about light just walking around and really kind of looking at it yeah i mean it's, it's always studying light and i think the thing right is that like if you shoot one subject matter like the idea of making a photographic signature that can speak from one subject matter to the other, that's the fun part, right? So it's like, if I can make a portrait that may have a similar shape or line to an architectural building and you can piece those together, like hang them together. It's like, wow, like those look great together. So I think that's the fun part is you're almost like collecting puzzle pieces. Like this thing here, this thing's going to be safe for later. Oh, like I just shot this. This reminds me of this. Like if they sit well together, then you're building something. So I think that's, it's just, it's a game of puzzles. Like you're just trying to find pieces to put together really. Yeah. And you feel like the more you do it, like you just get better at it. Like just, you kind of know what to look for sometimes, especially with like the street work. Yeah. I think it's like anything in life. The more you do it, the more it's like mechanics and your eyes will start seeing things and your body will start reacting to things. And you start quickly seeing things faster than maybe you did a month ago or a year ago. So it's just a matter of like, pushing yourself and challenging yourself. Like, what are you seeing? Like, what are you doing? Cause if you keep going out for the looking for similar things, it's like how many photos you want to make that are necessarily the same? Like, what are you looking for that's different? Yeah, definitely. And like to go back, like wh where do you grow up and like, what were you kind of interested in as a kid? Uh, born in New York, moved to Los Angeles when I was young. So I mean, growing up did the sports thing, you know, uh, through my, my young years. And like when I got to about 12, I was over it and you know, I had an older brother and all of his friends skated. So I just got this bug where it's like, I want to skate. And I remember like selling at the time, I think it was like a super Nintendo. I sold that with all the games, took that money, went to the local skate shop, uh, by me, which was called blue Alliance. Okay. Uh, bought a complete. And like, that was it. So from like 12 to probably about 21, 22, skateboarding was consumed to me it was everything like nothing else mattered did, do you remember your first complete what was the setup yeah it was uh an eric ricks powell slick with some venture trucks um and i believe it was some spitfire wheels classics that i had so that's a good one. Oh, and i forgot to mention this is funny because i grew up skateboarding too and i'm sure plenty of people would know that from listening to the podcast um i moved out to la when I was right after graduating high school, I was 18 and we were actually next door neighbors, dude. I lived with Jeremy Rogers at the, oh, the, the Avalon. Over the there. Avalon. I only lived there for like six months. Uh, cause I was still just a skate rat and like, um, wasn't drinking or anything. And Jeremy was kind of on his own little tip and I ended up moving out after six months, but I remember meeting you. We went to some parties together with like the Valley kids and, uh, cause we lived right there and you were like the end of the hallway or whatever. It was like nine, 19 years ago. Now I, yeah. I did the math, but I thought that was just funny. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> a small world. Um, but what was it about skateboarding you think attracted you to it initially? Uh, I didn't like, I think at that age at the team sports, I didn't like the pressure that you would get from like teammates. Like, you know, you mess up a play or whatever. It's like all this emotional, like, oh, you suck. Like just terrible for kids to kind of go through that. Yep. But skateboarding was independent and it was like, you know, kind of punk. It was anti everything, you know, like around that era of 92, starting 93, it was like, you know, skateboarding wasn't popular. It's like you were kind of like this like bottom level of the social scale in school. Yeah. But I loved it because like it exposed me to amazing music, amazing art. The, the photos in Thrasher and Transworld, all those magazines like were so heavy on me where it's like, wow, like this is cool. Like photography looks really interesting through the eyes of these skate photographers. Yeah. So just the whole culture of it really just pulled me in the fat, everything fashion was just like, 
it was so exciting and just fun. Yeah, and it's like it's the same thing with photography. I feel like you you get back what you put into it. Like with skateboarding, you're only gonna get good if you really practice a lot. And it's like I feel like the same thing with photography. It's like if you if you go out there and you shoot a lot and you're really like into it and really kind of take the time to learn what you're doing, it's just like you keep building on it. I don't know. I don't know. It's funny if that's like a personality trait with all skateboarders and photographers that were all this like these independent people just kind of trying to do their thing. But I don't know. I don't know what my point was, but <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's relatable. Like I a hundred percent, every time I find an opportunity, it's totally relatable because it's, you go out with your skateboard, you interpret the world, right? You go out with your camera, you can interpret the world. There's rules, but there's no rules. Like yeah. you do what you want. And at the end of the day, it's like, you don't have to be so formal as like, you know, what a teacher in school might've told you what to do, but you can be as loose what you want. And like, that's the beauty of it is that if you make photographs that people can relate to, understand or interpret, it doesn't matter. Like you said, it's not about the technical thing. It's like, what am I seeing in this? Right. So it's like, that's the beauty of it is, is freedom. Seeing the progress. And uh, then you, did you end up getting sponsored by, what was it Status Skateboards? Yeah, that was like the last, because I mean, obviously as a kid, you grow up and you're like, oh, the idea of being pro would be so fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I rode for Status with like uh, Mike Rosa, yeah. uh, Dustin Charlton, Jim Bates. Um, and that was fun. And then like that kind of happened because like my, our younger crew in the Valley was like Paul. Yeah. And obviously like you know we're i think maybe 18 around the time when paul started coming out with this 18 19 and you start seeing paul you're like dude like yeah pro that's not happening like but, him and his yeah. friends are just like they're the next ones it was nuts because uh, when i first came out to california it was when jeremy and paul were living together at paul's house in northridge because he bought his childhood home at like 18 which was nuts so yeah. it's just us a bunch of skate rats and i'd never I'd seen pro skateboarders here and there at demos, but like seeing Paul in person was this insane. Yeah. Like I'd never seen anything like it. I don't know. Uh, well, like I know it's a photography podcast, but like <laughs> sk skateboarding, uh, I don't know. It's so different now. Like how do you feel like it's specific to LA? Like is the skate scenes out here still thriving the way it was like in the mid two thousands and whatnot? Or is it, you think it's just different now with the internet age or whatever? I think, I think it's thriving. It's just thriving on a way more explosive level because, you know, skateboarding is obviously more mainstream, uh, more opportunities between companies and everything out here. Um, and then also too, I mean, LA still has a lot of iconic spots that like you want to prove yourself, go to Hollywood high. You want to prove yourself, like go to the man, the manual pad of the courthouse. Like, you know, maybe currently you want to go do something crazy at the beach curbs. Like, there's all these places that still exist from, you know, years ago that, Hey, you do something on that. Okay. Wow. Like you, you got eyes on you. I just miss the anticipation of like a new video. Like I think we're kind of the same age range, I think. And it's like back in the day, it was like when the new four and one came out, that was a big deal. Like every two months. And there was like the new trans world video. And now with the way like skateboarding is, there's not really that many like full length videos anymore. Everything's just kind of internet Instagram, which, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just kind of different now, you know? There's not that anticipation for it. Yeah, I think there will always be projects and videos, everything, photos, all the stuff and stuff that people take the time to curate and marinate and sit on it. And it makes a bigger impact, I think. I think it's just times change and you know it's like that's that's yeah. what it is and you know do you do you feel like that because i think about that with my own photography work like obviously um i would imagine instagram's been a big help to your business i know you have a huge following on there um but even me like i feel like uh i have this you have to keep feeding the engine or whatever i gotta put my new work up new work up but then i'm like maybe there is like a spot to like hold stuff back and try to you know really sit down and try to work on projects long term like do you do you kind of hold stuff back sometimes or like how do you what's your kind of mode with instagram and sharing your work i guess at this point now with the algorithms and the transition to them being more video and more real based oh. um it's really now I'm, I'm really more and more getting to the point where it's like sitting on the work and like let me figure out like what i got to do with it because like to just constantly be posting photos like every day or so crazy it's there's no end game and there's no like you know it's, it's great to share work but it's also like i think we all would would imagine that our work is bigger than the screen on our phones and we want people to appreciate that so now i'm just like letting go more and more of like that pressure because it's like that's one issue of like just the algorithm's not really going to present your work to everyone who follows you and all that stuff but then also 
it's like over the years, understanding the importance of a core audience, you know? So like you can say, oh, you have this many followers, this and that, but it's like the same time, if you have 500 followers or a thousand and they constantly keep enjoying what you're doing, that's strong. Because sometimes if you get a big following, people will follow you because like, oh, you shoot this one type of thing I want to see, or you're famous and it's like, I'm following because I'm just told to follow you. But I think the people who genuinely can just see what the work you do, you post what you want and they're like, this is great. Like, thank you for sharing, like build on that because that comes, you know, 1500 or 2000 and strength in numbers versus like, you yeah. Know. Yeah. I think you probably have an interesting perspective on that. Cause you have like, like, I think like half a million followers almost or something like that. And I, I have another buddy and he, he kind of early on at Instagram, I think when they used to share stuff on whatever it was like explore page or whatever they call it, like over the course of a weekend, he picked up like some like 200,000 followers. I don't know what it was, but it didn't actually translate to, to money, like jobs really. Mm-hmm. Cause like, uh, so I think there is like a misconception. Um, some photographers coming up cause I'll talk to young photographers and they're like, I need, I need followers. And they get so stressed out about their likes, but it's like, it's like, no, like, put good work out there and like you're saying if you have a hundred people that are really into your work and you mm-hmm. only have two thousand followers it doesn't matter because you want the people that are going to hire you whatever it's editors or people are going to buy your prints it doesn't really the number is it's not as important as people think i think i, I mean it is it's, here's what, the way my opinion of it now because i mean i i early on i had uh maybe close to a million followers yep you know, I used to go by Van Styles and I used to photograph a lot of models and women. And like, it was like a thing at that time, which was like 2015, 16, I started just contemplating like, okay, like I came up with this name for a certain reason years before that. And I feel like I'm growing out of that. And like, you know, I want to shoot what I want to shoot. I don't want to feel boxed in branded. Oh, you got to do this. You got to do this. Right. So I remember like, and I, I give a big credit uh, to Karan Karnani from Leica not to bring that company up again, but no, she, I'm, I'm down like I wasn't, <laughs> but, but, but she, but she played a big role. Right. So, yeah. you know, I remember during this process, she was just like, Hey, there's an image we want to be able to share for marketing. Like, what do you want to go by? What do you want to be branded as? I said, well, I'm you're marketing. Like I'm thinking of this, like, what do you think? And she encouraged me. It was like, yeah, like you should change your name. Like your photography is growing. There's going to be value to that. Like, don't be afraid to do that. And I said, okay, double edge, you know, let, let's play the game. Right. So, I, I go by my real name. I'm going to lose followers. And she's like, she was like, go ahead. Like, you know, as a global brand of what they are, it's like, she totally encouraged me to like, do you like, don't be caught up in like, I got to keep the followers up. And that was very freeing. And like, it was just great to hear a company like that, like push you like, yeah, like you should don't be afraid to do this. And I don't know. I think the people who, who get this idea, like if I have more followers, well, here's what's going to happen. You're going to shoot one or two types of photographs that got you this attention and you're going to be trying to chase that same formula down over and over and over because you need more and more and more. And at what point is enough enough? Um, and also too, I always tell people like count bodies, right? So it's like, Oh, only a hundred people liked it. I was like, put a hundred people in a room in front that, of you. That's that's what I say. Yeah, yeah. Dude. That's what I say. Like, like I've been lucky enough to build this podcast and it's like, I'm not getting Joe Rogan numbers, but sometimes it'll be like thousands of people that watch it. I'm like, dude, that's so many fucking people. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, no one should ever feel diminished by like the, the, the numbers on the screens have definitely like skewed people's ideas of like, what's, you know, what's a good amount. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I was just like, okay. So like, since then I keep losing, losing, but it's like, I played that game. Like I know what that game leads to. And I think these days, if you want to do it right, like especially as a photographer, there's something that can fuck with you or bite at you where it's like, oh, you have a million followers here. We're from this brand and we want you to do this. So it's like, are they hitting you up because you're that good with the camera or they just see the follower count and you're you're just a magazine at that point. Yeah. They it's, want to be, it's, it's like two different things. They, like, they want to be an ad in your magazine. Yeah. Or is it like, hey, like, you know what? You're so good. Like, because I always tell people like, yeah, you can brag that you're shooting a social thing. And I know social is like the immediate outlet, but I'm like, when you drive through Manhattan and you see all these big global Adidas campaigns and stuff that's plastered, it's not saying at whoever, you don't know who shot it. And those are the people, in my opinion, that are like creative and they're building great bodies of work and good working relationships. I, I, I'll say this, uh, a, a really successful photographer I know in the Boston area, uh, I won't say his name, but like he's... He's a well-established photographer and he's been shooting like uh, national international ad campaigns for like Nike and all the biggest companies for decades. Dude has like 2000 followers on Instagram yeah. and it just doesn't translate. Yeah, I feel So like- I mean, that that's the message to kids who feel follower accounts. Like 
some of the most inspiring and creative people that you would ever meet or know, like probably have the lowest follower count out of like everything. So don't gauge follower count as immediate success. Exactly. And for me, uh, my perspective is it's not followers or whatever. It's, it's, it's obviously your work, your dedication to your craft and building like real relationships with people in this industry and like looking at your Instagram, I, I, you can see you've built relationships with be it Leica, or I know you work with uh, the music evidence and the, all the uh, alchemists. And these are like relationships I'd imagine you spent years building and it's helped your career and you've helped theirs. And that I feel like at the end of the day, that's, that's the real thing, not followers account, but building real relationships with real people and taking your time, you know, and, and doing for, for uh, doing photography and doing stuff that fulfills you. Like, I get the working photographer idea and I get all that stuff, but it's also, you need stuff that fulfills you. So if you're purely making something for an audience's pleasure, mm-hmm. that's dude, you'll lose your interest or your spark pretty fucking quick. Cause it's just like, you're just trying to get this approval of likes or follower accounts from people. And it's like, but sometimes the greatest thing you do is like, you're just happy yourself. When you see that photograph, you just look, you know, like, don't even need to share it. You're just like, I, this, this completes me today. I'm, I'm happy. And that's why I really do appreciate your work because you can tell like you really, like when you're in Boston two weeks ago, you, you obviously you're doing some stuff for Leica, but then bro, you shot like a whole portfolio in the fucking airport. Like it was like Logan, you post on Instagram. It was great. And that was the stuff you're obviously shooting for fun. And it's like, and it's like a, it's a hard thing once you try to make this as a career. Cause I've definitely struggled, struggled with this myself because yes, I'm trying to make the work that I love. And, but then at the back of my mind, I'm still like, how am I going to make money? So that's always like this art and commerce balance. And I think I've gotten better at it over the years, but I know in the beginning of my career, I was like, all right, I'm going to try to make this work that, you know, Reebok will like or whatever. But at the end of the day, that didn't really work. It was like, you're saying like, shoot what you like. And I think that's, what's going to help you build, you know? Yeah. um, I've done few commercial like work projects through through people that I know here and there. And there is something I think there's like there's genuine agencies and people who are looking for someone to push something new creatively. And then there's some people what I've gathered is like, here's our mood board, make that. Yep. And it's like, it's comps, like so you man. so you just need you don't need a photographer. You need someone who's competent <laughs> enough to like set it up yeah. and push the button. Like yeah. there's there's a big difference between like just replicate what we have on this wall and like that's our end goal, but we want it to be through you. You know, that that's where I would imagine are the best projects when you work with somebody and they're like, Hey, like this is our end goal, but please like give us your take on it. You know, like show us what you think of it. Cause like what projects interest you now? Like if someone, if you wanted to shoot for a brand or like, I don't know what interests you now in terms of like the stuff that's going to, you know, help you support your family or whatever, like what kind of stuff like are you interested in? Uh, I think, at this point, I mean, at least where my mind state is, it's more about ever since before, right? So like when I transitioned to really, okay, I'm going to follow photography and see where it takes me. Yeah. The idea was like, if I can get by doing what I like to do, then that's the end goal. I learned early on my, my approach is always remove the money from the equation. Do you want to do this? Yeah. Because if you don't like, hey, we're going to pay you this much, but like, it's something that you're uninspired by. You're not into. It's like, how good is that work really going to be? Yeah. Like, I don't know. So that's usually my thing is like, well, what's the concept of it? Like, if it's like this, like, I don't know. Like that, I always, that's usually my judgment at first. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, cause I don't know to do everything solely for how much you're going to pay me. Like it's, it, it's great. You're making money, but it's also like, I feel like it could be very just un you, you still are empty at the end of it. Right. Totally. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And like to go back, like, like how did you initially kind of get into photography? Like obviously you're like skateboarding and sponsored and all that. Like how did photography kind of come into your life and kind of take over, I guess. For sure. Um, so this was like summer or yeah, summer of 2000, 2001. I was running a skate camp. Cause at this, at this point, I'm like, what am I doing in my life? Like, you know, at that age, I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna be a pro skater. Like what, what the hell am I going to do? So I had opportunity to run a skateboard camp for kids in Northridge. And I don't know if you probably went there with Jeremy, the outdoor skate park. Yeah, like, what was that? Canon? The K- guy, yeah, yeah. That guy was so funny. I was like 18. That guy was a kid. He's like, you guys want to go to the strip club? Yeah, he was, <laughs> he, he, he was very energetic and, you know. But yeah, he gave me an opportunity to like run a skate camp for kids. And um, this gentleman, Christian Mann, who had his three boys 
in my camp that were, you know, Kurt, Joey, Chandler, they were 8, 11, and 12. They knew of me through a local shop video from 118. Mm-hmm. So, like, they had an interest and the dad took an interest. Um, so, it kind of grew from there where, like, they were in my camp and then I would always take them skating. Like, it kind of, the, the relationship grew. And then one day they told me what their dad did and he owned a, an adult film studio. So, I was like, oh, well, that's crazy because, like, your dad doesn't look like the kind of guy that would own an adult film studio. I think, you know, everyone had their image of that. So, I talked to the dad. I was like, yeah, your youngest son told me what you do. And he kind of, like, laughed it off. And so, like, just intriguing. So, again, the relationship kept growing. And then one day he came to me and said, hey, like, I want to make an adult skateboarding movie. Will you produce it? And I'm like, okay, like, what's involved? He goes, you're not getting on camera. You just got to, like, get skaters involved and make it cool because he appreciated what he saw of skateboarding through his kid's eyes. And was just like, if I'm going to do this, I at least want skateboarders to think, okay, that was cool. Like yeah. that was, you know? Um, so yeah, we got to work and had skateboarders do like little, like, like Shiloh great house had a cameo in the film. Oh, really? It was called skate tricks. And like randomly enough, like we're like, okay, well who's like the lead guy going to be in Poncho Moller at the time was doing scenes with his girlfriend at the time. So it's like, we got Poncho Moller. A skate lab, right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, so that happened he offered me a job to work for him as well. So it's like, you know, you're going to be my personal assistant half the day. You're going to be scanning negatives in for our website, like the other half. So that was like the intro to kind of, okay, I'm working with photos now. But then like, you know, a little time later, he's like, oh, you used to make skate videos with, with your friends, right? You know how to work a camera. Yeah. Like a video camera. I said, yeah. He goes, do you want to try directing? And for me, I was just all like, okay, I have like a job security. I'm making a little bit of money. Like yeah. do that. So started directing adult movies, which is where the Van Styles name came from. Then I um, used to have to obviously book a crew. So it's makeup, it's location, it's a PA and a photographer. And when the photographer that I would work with was busy, okay, now I got to reschedule and do all this stuff. So I just went to same guy, Christian Mann. I was like, hey, I like photography. I have money. Can I like go buy a camera and just do these myself? And I mean, to think that you're going to entrust like a 22-year-old kid who doesn't really have photographic experience. So like, okay, here's our twenty to $25,000 budgets. Like, yeah, go shoot the photos for this. And you're shooting film back then, probably. Fil- well, film, and then the 10D just came out. Okay. So I had like, a, and it sounds like a Polaroid form of like, I can see what the exposure looks like. Yeah. But it was slide film and it was, you know, like all that kind of stuff. So that started, but then I appreciated like photography, like sparked me, like in the way skateboarding did when I was 12, where, oh, I'm going to bring this with me when I travel, when I go skate with friends or go hang out. So over that time, I grew more and more into photography. And towards like my late twenties, I was just like, okay, like, you know, that industry went through a whole change of everything's free online. Like, you know, who's paying for stuff. So you saw budgets like getting cut crazy. And I was just like, okay, like, I think I've had fun here. Like, I'm not like, what else am I going to do? And it was also this question of, I'd like to see where photography takes me. I don't want to be 60 or 70. So oh, I wonder what would have happened if I would have just like followed it. So it was like really crazy. Cause after like the day, the last studio I worked for was in Culver City. Um, they let everyone go, and I got a call from like Tyrone and like Alby from like LRG, and they were like, "Hey, like, can you shoot these ads for us for a magazine with uh, the Workaholics and the Cool Kids? And you know, if you got some models, you can incorporate or like do your thing." And so like that was like the first project, and like they went into like Fader Magazine, they went to like Double XL. So it's like out the gate, I'm like. That's rad. And a- LRG used to do awesome ads. I had another buddy, Cream Black, and they would throw these like big parties. And yeah, they they did. LRG was a, a really creative company. That, that's essentially what we did. We just rented a house for a day and just shot photos all day. And they brought like skate guys up and um, the workaholics and the cool. It was, just, it was just really fun. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I did one thing. Like it was just like every month was like, I made it this month. I yeah. made it that month. Okay, I'm making it this month now. And it just led to working with Skate Mafia, to working with Huff, to working with The Hundreds, to like working with all of these great companies. Like it was just like, the thing was, I didn't have any plans for that. I just kept my head down and was just like Tumblr, you know, I think Instagram obviously at the time and like Twitter. I was like, I have outlets. Like I don't need someone to tell me like, go shoot this. Like I can go shoot stuff and just share and just share. Like that time was really exciting about all these platforms was like, they were just democratized outlets for creatives. Like you don't have, a, you don't have to go to an editorial newspaper and have them hire you. Like you got images, go, go put them out. Yeah. Yeah. You can, whatever you want to do, you can make it happen. 
And I guess like working in the adult industry, it, when you first got into it, like, was it something you were like hesitant about? Cause I'm sure people probably make assumptions of like working in that industry or whatever, even though like so many people watch that stuff. It's like, yeah. It, 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 did you deal with like, I mean, people like kind of judging you or anything like that? Or, I mean, at that time. So, I mean, the only people I've really talked to about before was just my family mm-hmm. and they were like, you know, the, the the quote I think from like my dad was like, as long as you're not doing anything illegal, like fine. Yeah. And again, at that era of it, it was punk rock. It was skateboarding. It was underground. It was anti-establishment. It was all these things. Like, so like, I didn't care. Like mm-hmm. if people, people were going to judge, people were going to say, and I, you know, I did come across that, but it was just like, you know, it's like the one thing everyone wants to be judgmental of it, but everyone watches it, exactly. enjoys it in some form. Yeah. So it, it never bothered me at all. And is there anything you think you learned from like getting to work with these companies, seeing how they run their business that you think you got to apply to starting your own photography business down the line? Because at the end of the day, you're you're a business owner and you're building your own thing. Is there anything you think you um, got? I mean, Christian Mann early on, like he was just like a second father figure. He gave me a couple of very important pieces. And like, you know, I would see like when we would walk through his company and his warehouse, like he was friendly and great to like everyone from the front desk to the back warehouse worker. And he stress the importance of like treat everyone with respect in the same way. Like no one's above another, like do that. That was great. And the other great piece of like advice he always told me was like in business, you never get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate. Mm-hmm. So I think anytime someone was like, Oh, I'm entitled to this. I should be getting this. It was like, dude, like the person after you can maybe talk better. And they're the ones who got the higher rate or got the job or got this kind of stuff. So those two things showed me, but then it's like, you know, coming into like, you know, skater street world stuff and you, you see this and you see like Bobby and Ben, like what they built with the hundreds, you know, for dude, like what, 20 years now, um, you know, meeting Huff and seeing what Huff built and like Huff went up and down, you know, between like having to close shops and get rid of the footwear. But like he, you know what I'm saying? Like you see it like, okay, yeah, there's bad times, but you, you got to be smart and you got to like be able to get through that. And just seeing like, you know, skateboarding is like all do yourself stuff. Like all the, greats that we probably both idolize it's like they did it and i think that's what i've taken away is like it's possible you know you could always do it on your own yeah and have there been points in your photography career that you kind of doubted yourself because obviously you know being an independent guy freelancer you kind of build your own thing have there been times that you kind of doubted yourself like is this going to work out or like how do you kind of deal with that especially i imagine early on like it's no one knows who you are like you're a new photographer, there's a million photographers you're trying to get your name out there. Like, how do you kind of deal with this, the ups and downs of bringing up freelance artists? I think it's like early on, I think something I would tell myself almost like a mantra is that nothing is, is permanent, right? So nothing like bad times, good times, like nothing's permanent, but you just have to keep pushing through it. Um, and I think the truth is, at least the way I see it is whatever excites you you wake up you do it like and you do something because it's not about like fame or money or this and that that fulfillment you get is so powerful right so i think as long as you have that for whatever it is you're doing you're gonna be okay i think you know because that was the thing so i worked an adult and i made good money when i was younger then i saw it taper off and i think when i was younger making money it was like oh like, i'm gonna do this forever i'm making such good money take the money out of it it's like oh like i really don't care about this that much so i think even going older it's just like Hence, going back to like when someone says, here's a job for you, it's like, well, take out the money. Do I want to do this? It translated into that because it's like, is it worth my time? I'm excited. And I think you just have to keep pushing and keep having fun, keep being creative. Don't dwell. You know, like the the worst thing for any creatives, I guess, is is downtime and like just dwell and you go down a rabbit hole of negative thoughts. So I think it's like just try to like learn to block those out and just kind of keep focusing on like, well, I made some good photos. I need to keep making more good photos and just doing that. Yeah, it's like momentum. I feel like that, like when I got like a couple of like little personal projects going and then maybe I got some like little jobs or whatever going, it's all momentum. And it's like, I feel like I'm sharp. I'm on my game. And it's like, I don't know about you, but like, do you ever go through times where you just like, it might be a month or a couple of weeks or something or two months or whatever, where you just haven't, you just haven't really made, you made a photo that you're like super like hyped on. And it's like, I feel like it's almost like I never done drugs, but it's like, you're just chasing that like fix, you know, like where you like finally you worked on it. You look at it on the screen. You're like, yes, I'm proud of that. You know that feeling? Yeah, of course. I think anyone goes through that where it's like, what am I doing? And that's the beauty of photography to me. It's like, okay, if I'm shooting aerial and I'm like, okay, like I'm 
done with Ariel for a little bit. I'm going to go look at something else and shoot something else. I think that's the the thing that excites me about photography is such an expansive medium that like you're never done learning. Even if you're focusing on one area, like there's always some new technique or something else to do or something else to try and learn. So I think, I think if it's like, you feel like you're missing something or you're not getting a shot, it's like, well then switch it up, different focal length, different subject matter. Now have fun and like kind of start over. And like, uh, uh, one thing I was going to ask is like, like how would you describe your work? And do you think it's like important to have like a distinct, like visual style to your work as a photographer? I would describe my work would just be, I'm engulfed in the medium. Um, it's, it's, it's abstract. Um, it's interpretation. Um, it's translating a feeling of an environment or space, whether it's aerial work or street work, um, kind of contextualizing using shapes and lines and like trying to like really pick up more than like just the subject matter. I think, um, a lot of times photography is really perceived as a purely documentative form of art, but these cameras are paintbrushes really. So it's a matter of what you want to do with it. So you can be very literal and you could also be very like some of the photographs that always striked me was like, I like what I'm looking at, but I'm not sure what exactly it is. And then the photo, Oh, it's this. I remember there was an event and this guy like took like colored recycled straws or dirty straws from the ground, put them on a light table, and, like photograph. Like this is really like macro. I was like, this is interesting. And we told me what it was. I was like, Oh, that's, that's cool that, you know, like I didn't necessarily know, but it resonated with me. So I think, I don't know. I think that that's a way I would try to describe my work because it's, it's explorative. It's um, not necessarily always letting the subject dictate the message, but more or less I'm trying to really push myself into the photograph. Like the way I framed it, the way I'm using a line or using a shadow and light, like that's all intentful as much as I can be. Sometimes you make a photograph, you don't necessarily realize like everything involved in it, but for the most part, I'm trying to like, Oh, okay. I get. It. I'm use this film stock or this lens or whatever it is to add this thing to make it more mine. And do you spend much time like thinking about like, you know, somebody think of mine like like we look at Richard Avedon's work. You know, it's a Richard Avedon portrait. It's like yeah. a black and white portrait. On um, he's got a formula and he kind of sticks to it. Do you feel like with your work? Do you think it's important to have like a cohesive look to it? Or you're not so much worried about that and you're really just following your whatever interests you creatively, whatever it is, yeah. that day, that month or whatever. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, that's going back before. That's why it's like there, there is a, a visual signature embedded where, again, if you can hang these images, oh, like they all, they can be different subject matter, but they all can sit well together. Why? Because there's something there that's his work, you know? I think there's a difference between that and oh, like I'm having success with this thing. Like I'm just going to keep doing this thing, right? Mm -hmm. So I think those are two different, they're similar, but they're two different parameters of how one can treat photography. Cause it's like, you know, like I, I always thought it was interesting the way most people describe someone's portfolio via Instagram. Oh, this is the guy who shoots black and white. This is a guy who shoots women or like, it's very one dimensional. They want to, they want to put you like in a box. And well, I, well I think I, like a lot of people, just yeah. other photographers that I know. And it's like, that's what I saw. And I'm like, that's kind of terrible to like almost box someone in like that. Right. So it's like, that's why I think if you have a book, you have a gallery, it's like, Hey, if I can put all these things together to the viewer to myself, that like there's, there's uh, relations in them. Wow. That's really cool. Versus like, Oh, it has to be white backdrop, like Richard, right. Black and white, white backdrop and a certain kind of thing, you know? Yeah. No, that's interesting. It's, it's something I think I spent a lot of time thinking about. It's like, but at the end of the day, it's like, for me, you just got to follow what interests you. Exactly. And even like looking at your work, because I've seen it over the years and I've seen it evolve. Like early on, it seemed like you shot a lot more girls, like mm -hmm. like photos like that stuff. But it seems like you've kind of like, you still do a little bit, but it seems like it's kind of tapered off a lot more. Than yeah, I think I speak from experience when I talk about follower count and numbers mm -hmm. and chasing that stuff because it's like, that's what I was doing. Like I had my success. And granted, when I started photographing, Women, it's because well, I just left the adult industry. Like that was a subject matter I knew. Mm -hmm. I had friends in it that I was like, Asa Kira, that's like, hey, like, let's go make our own photographs, but we don't have to do that. Like we can do what we want. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like, oh, this is a trend I got to follow. I'm going to shoot women. Like, no, it was just like, I'm already familiar. Let's just do this. And I think over the years, it was just kind of like, okay, like you, I felt that through social where it's like, okay, I got like, if I travel somewhere, it wasn't like, cool, I get to enjoy it. It was just like, is there a model here that yeah. I could shoot? It was like, that's what my thought process was and cool. Like I'm meeting new people, making new work, but it's also like, again, like I, I love photography as a whole. So 
I love to just like, let me go shoot a landscape. Let me go do this. And that I didn't want to limit myself even with success of like, Oh, you shoot women. Like that's cool. But like, I love everything. And it's also, um, evidence put me onto a great interview with this musician named James Matume. And, you know, he talked about evolving and I appreciate that you chose that word. Um, evolving right so he said like he had this thing where he's like you know when i picked up a guitar or an instrument and i'm playing the same riff that i've been playing for the last five years he's like time to move on like what am i doing like i'm doing the same thing you know he talked about playing with miles davis and his band and he said when he was young and he started asking miles like hey man like when are we gonna like rehearse and miles said, i don't pay you to rehearse like i pay you to play on stage follow the music follow the feel and follow all that stuff and that was inspiring to me because it's like music and photography art it's all one of the same so i was just like yeah like I can shoot it when I want to, but I don't want to feel the pressure of this is what I have to do. So now it's like, yeah, if I meet that for me now, it's like, doesn't matter about follower count, like all these different things. It's a matter of like, if I meet a person that wants to make photographs, it, the sitter wants to model and do it, then cool. Like we'll do it. Like let's be explorative. Let's have fun. This isn't about like, Oh, like you need a certain type of photograph for your Instagram feed to like, exploded like i'm not there for that like, there's plenty of photographers who will do that mm-hmm. i played that game and i've done that game but it's like you know and like you said like i don't want to be i had a pause point where it's like do i want to make the same type of photograph for like 10 years and i see a lot of people from social media and instagram that are doing that that's like guys who i've known it's like dude you're doing the same thing in the same places that you've done for like 10 years now yeah. like you know whether it's whether you're afraid to share work that's different or whatever it is but like I don't know. I don't want to be 60 and say, wow, I spent all my time shooting the same damn thing. Yeah. You got to challenge yourself as an artist. And it, that challenge could be anything from like, oh, I'm going to mess with some new equipment or some new lighting or the challenge is like, oh, I'm going to try to go shoot that dude, that person's portrait that, you know, I've been putting off in the back of my mind. Cause I think every photographer has that project or whatever thing that, you know, maybe they've been scared to approach it or whatever. And I feel like, that that's the real thing that's when you make progress is when you really go towards the things that you're kind of like afraid of maybe it's like maybe it's learning photoshop maybe it's whatever it is and it's just like really like going it sounds corny but like going towards the things that like make you kind of uncomfortable and that's the shit where i think you'll see real progress yeah and also too like you learn to shoot like one subject matter whatever you learn doing that one you can apply that to a different one and maybe you get something totally different than what everyone else is doing because you're coming in Mm -hmm. like oh like how i could shoot sports like this like what if i did that over here oh that's interesting because you know and again this is the moment you go back to skateboarding right like what were early street guys doing they were like we were just mimicking what we saw on the vert ramp like doing hand plants and all this stuff in the street on curbs like so it's like they were taking from that and applying it there and look where that happened so i think creatively it's like don't remember to look outside the lines like that that's what it comes down to yeah definitely and uh you know some of your work uh you do some really cool portraits and you've got to photograph some really interesting people um one of the portraits you got to photograph uh virgil abloh um, amazing creative unfortunately passed away i think what last year uh, i was just kind of curious what that portrait session was all about and your kind of experience getting to kind of collaborate with him oh uh, i mean the first time I met him was at South by Southwest in probably 2014. I went out there with the hundreds and like, it was like funny, right? So uh, another buddy of mine, I don't know if you're familiar with his work, Brock, Brock Fetch. He shoots like ASAP Rocky, a bunch of like really great musicians. Yeah. Like he and I got to like really over the past couple of years become friends and have conversations. And like, I was like laughing. And he's like, he's like, I don't know if you knew it, but like, like Van Styles was a thing. I was like, because I'm in my own world. Like, I don't really listen to too much of like outside. I'm like, why? Because before I even knew you, I knew like of you, and I knew it was like a thing. What do you mean? What do you mean a thing? Like, like just like like there's this guy. Oh, man, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, like there's this guy. I, I kind of agreed. Like, because uh, I the first thing I think I saw some of your work like probably over ten years ago was I think one of your buddies. I don't know his real name, but he goes by Thirteenth Witness. Oh yeah, yeah. And you guys like you kind of like I think collaborate sometimes. Like I remember. You guys did like photo meetups or something. Mm-hmm. You go to a city and like, I thought it was so cool because like, you don't see that. And it's one thing that I kind of, the thing I, one thing I don't like about photography, which maybe it's why I started this podcast is that it is a solitary thing for the most of the time. Like the thing that I'm jealous of, like musicians, musicians is, for the most part, is all about collaboration. Like, yo, let's jam, let's do this. So when I saw you guys doing that, I was like, that's fucking cool. Yeah. I had a great friendship with them. Now it's through the hundreds out in New York. 
And it was just fun. Like, you know, Tim 13th is just a fun guy. So yeah. that was like really, really cool. So I think Virgil knew of me just yeah. through stuff. Like, cause I remember that's first South by Southwest. Like I remember before that, uh, Nick Diamond pointed out, he goes, dude, do you know that like Puff Daddy's following you? I was like, no. <laughs> so I met Puff Daddy, like by shooting, you know, music thing, like backstage and Virgil. So it's like that photo I think you're referring to is like when he had like a black and white hat on. Yeah, like, with the, he goes like peace. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was in Miami during art battles and I was running around with 13th witness and people Virgil was just with us at that time. And yeah. Hey, can I shoot, you know, a couple of shots? It was like just really candid, like real quick. And that's all it was. So, I mean, but that's the way life felt. I was moving at the time, like just fast, like you're just meeting people and shooting, making photos as you go. And like, what's your approach to portraiture photography? It's like its own skill set. But like when you're doing a portrait session, do you kind of go in mind in mind? Like, how are you going to like execute it? Or do you kind of just let the day kind of flow and see what happens? Or like, how do you approach like portrait sessions? I guess. I'm a big fan of no mood boards, no inspiration shots. Um, find a location that I think is interesting between lighting or background textures, whatever it is, uh, whoever's coming, wear what you feel comfortable in. And it's going to take a little bit of time, but we're going to like make a photograph. Like I'm going to be attentive to like how the light's changing, how the light's falling or what it is. You can go in with an idea, but be open to like, let's step three feet over and shoot this. Um, so that's always been fun. Cause I always feel like with that idea, of approaching it like that, you're going to come and make something more unique and original to both of you versus, oh, this is inspired by this. So it's just more, it's more voyeuristic. It's more attentive where it's just like, I'm looking like, show me how you sit. Like, don't sit formal for a portrait. Like, how do you slack? Oh, let me see how you walk across the room. Like, I want to see how you move. Like, that's part of what it is. So it might be, I'm just going to photograph you walking. Oh, like you like to smoke a cigarette or smoke weed. Like you have an activity that relaxes you or distracts you. Just do that. So it's kind of like just trying to find like as a me looking at someone like, oh, that's a cool look for you right there. And like, how do you deal with like uh, maybe portrait shoots you've had to do where maybe the person just isn't into it. But at the same time, like as a photographer, you got to you, you need to walk away with a good portrait. Like, how do you do you feel like you need to put them in ease? I know the quote, Annie Lee, but she has this quote. I always hear it in the back of my mind, her masterclass here. She's like, she's like, I don't, something to the fact, like, I don't feel the need to put someone at ease. I just want them to be themselves. Or like, how do you approach those situations where someone's just like, you know, maybe there's not into being photographed that day. Part of it is being able to like, I guess you want to say charm someone. Mm -hmm. uh, but part of it is, is just like, depending if it's like you guys are just collaborating, then do the best you can. It's being attentive to the person, being attentive to their energy and like what's going on. Um, and then some of it is like, some of it is, hey, like this isn't working for me today. Like I'm not into this. Like I'm not going like, to exert energy to something that like just doesn't click. Mm -hmm. And then some of it can just be like, okay, I, I'm going to push myself right now and like make something regardless. Like I'm going to try. So I think it, it's about how you feel. Per you got to push it and how you got to do it. But sometimes you got to be attentive to say like the energy just isn't here and we're just not going to make anything like worthwhile right now. Yeah. It's like reading the room. Yeah. Um, another picture I was interested in talking to you about, you, you photograph Ricky Powell, who that is, I, I wish I got a chance to interview him. He was like, I'm, I had a list of people and I just never had reached out to him yet. Unfortunately he passed away too. Uh, what was it like getting a chance to photograph him? Because like, just I, I never met him, but like watching the documentary and kind of seeing the interviews of him, he was just like a seemed like a one of one type dude. Oh, I mean, he's like that last bit of like old New York personality. You know, his story is really interesting. How photography was like almost like a spiteful action for him, and but just being around some of these great creatives and people. Um, I met him originally, I think, at an agenda show, and then just kind of we knew of each other. And then like that day. I, I think you're referring to the young guru photo. Where yeah, they're like, I don't know if they're in Central Park or some park. In Washington there. Square. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So that was like just young guru and I just walking around. And then like, there's Ricky. Like, oh, snap. Like, <laughs> you know, as he would say, um, <laughs> like, hey, let me get a photo of you. Yeah, yeah. I, even in this research <laughs> for this interview, like I, I looked at the photo and even Ricky had like a cool comment or whatever. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it was just like, just that's the fun part, right? Where you're just like hanging out and cool like this moment just happened it was just a really cool moment <laughs> and are you someone because I, I know photographer friends who don't look at anyone else's work they're just kind of like because they don't want to be influenced but are you someone do you like looking at photo books going to gallery shows um do you find inspiration that way or not so much 
Oh, I totally find inspiration that way. I think to close yourself off is not good. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I'm looking at it as like, what's inspiring to me. I'm not looking at it as like, Oh, I'm not that good as this person. I'm like, Oh, like what they're showing me is like maybe a different way to see things. So a thousand percent documentaries, photo books, gallery showings, and then just going to museums in general, like taking in other art painting and, you know, um, antiquities, like all this different stuff, like draw inspiration from everything that's out there to like close yourself off is like, I don't know, like, you know, when I, again, like I said, Ralph Gibson, Andres Cortez, like these guys, like I love because like they really treated the idea of photography of like, it's like, don't let the moment make your photograph. You can be the one who makes it. And Mm -hmm. it was just like, yeah, like, why can't I make a photo of a door handle interesting? Why can't I make a portrait of you interesting? Like, like that's the fun part of it is that like, it's really your eye and how you can interpret the world and see things. That for real, like there's this one photographer I assisted for when I got out of college because I worked as a photo assistant for years. And he has had this ability to like, he, he would be staying at some shitty hotel. And he like one of my favorite pictures is a picture of a coat hanger. And it's a fucking coat hanger. But it's like he had the vision and saw it or whatever. And it just shows like if you you can make a doorknob or a paper clip or whatever, it's really uh, the limits. There, there's no limit to what you can do with yeah, it. Yeah, it's inserting yourself into the making of it. And so I think like that I get like a lot of people like, you know, they they usually sit around and like wait. So, if it's, for example, street stuff, if I'm like, okay, I'm going to like walk around and I'm not just – we're going to sit on a corner for 20 minutes. Like I don't have that patience, mm-hmm. but like as I'm walking or as I'm doing, I'm like, Oh, like something here or something there. Like I'm just making photos as I go, because it's like, I want this day to be productive. I don't want it to be like, cause again, like half the time with street photography, it's, it's so intriguing because like no one knows what they're looking for. Yeah. Like you're just waiting for a person to walk in a frame and do something yeah. that, you know, will pull you. And like the, the, the Hollywood stuff, what I tried to do and my take on it was like, I'm really going to be intentful. It's not just about the action, but if you look at some of those photographs, like the way I use the environment in it, like that's what it was. It wasn't just like, here's this moment. But like, if you really like looked at like, there's that first frame of the guys pulling on each other. Like what pulled me more was like, if you look at the shadow on the ground from them, like I was like, Oh, there's something like that balance of the shadow and their form. It's like, there's something there. Yeah. And another thing, uh, the, you know, it's interesting people are going to view your work different ways people probably view my work a certain way when i look at your work and some other photographers i almost look at you as almost like a historian of los angeles at this point because you're you're capturing these moments and i think it's so important to like capture like whatever it is your city because it's continually changing like some building you shot 10 years ago is gone Mm -hmm. but now you captured that and i think that that's still just such a, a interesting thing about photography is this like this collecting those moments for a part of history so people mm-hmm. can it'll live on you know yeah the the city los angeles photography it's it the city itself is a subject it is a person and it's going to be changing and it's going to be growing and i love just like revisiting stuff like what does it look like now and shooting that and it's also i mean all respects like estevan right like he embedded a beautiful cultural part of los angeles and all of his work and I get a lot of people are inspired, but it's like, you don't need to photograph like Estevan does to be a relevant photographer in Los Angeles. So it's like, that was my thing. It's like, okay, like I want to photograph the city, but I don't feel the need to like, oh, I got to do what he did. You know, the same kind of way. And you you, you couldn't do what he does. Exactly. Like if you, even if you tried, like. Exactly. But I mean, but we see it and some of it is maybe, you know, new photographers, like just yeah gravitating towards the subject matter in a way that they want to like replicate it yep and some of it is like well maybe that's the secret sauce i want to be edgy and gritty and grimy but it's like la has so many areas that they're not all like that and it's also too like there's beauty in these gritty and grimy areas that you know you can capture in your own way so that was my approach to like it has been my approach to los angeles whether it's like aerial landscape architecture people moments it's like just trying to like i guess honest to me and how i see things you know make make photographs of that have you printed have you done a book yet i haven't that's why i'm like yeah you see you see my studio i know I feel, I, feel like, I feel like you should yeah man I, I, that's you have so much work i feel like it would be an amazing book like i i think i think now at this point that's a project i'm trying to push to do because it's like i've shot enough right so i think like early on like during van styles like oh you got to make a book and i was like no it's not time. You're, like you you're gotta still wait. Figuring out like who you are as a photographer and like learning the craft at that. And point. it's also like photography photos to me are like stocks where it's like the longer you sit on them, the more value they hold 
I, I interviewed, uh, I don't know if you know the photographer, Frank Ockenfels, mm-hmm. amazing photographer. He's been in the game for 30 plus years. He just put his first book out like two years ago. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it, because he waited, it just hit so much harder because he had this body of work. And I always love getting to see the progression of someone's work, you know, because mm-hmm. you, you can see it. And like I said before, like I've seen it in yours just in like 10 years or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, ideally, because it's like I have aerial work or I have, you know, I went to Echo Park and shot lotuses. There's like all these just different things that like I can explore and do. So, I mean, the idea of making a book is a fascinating process that I want to like grasp. So I'm trying to work with some publishers right now, some designers. So like, okay, like show me the process. I think if I could put out one and I get it under my belt, okay, now I know how this process goes and costs and all this stuff. So like now let's do another one. So And uh, a couple more questions. I'll let you go. Yeah, no worries. I know uh, you started your own skateboard company. I think almost what, 10 years ago. Uh, was it visual? Yeah. Is, is that something you're still doing? Yeah, it's still, it's still going, but it's on a, again, it's like, not trying to be like, oh, I got to be like yeah. deluxe or girl, but it's like just a small thing. And it's just like, I'll keep it small, you know, work with guys like JP Souza and the other guys and just let's put out stuff when we have stuff to put out and like, just kind of keep it mellow like that. It's not about like trying to be a big thing, you know, cause it's also too, like, I'm so into photography. It's like you get pulled different directions, but yeah, it's still been going about 10 years. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's, it's been a fun place to like share your work through skateboard decks and, you know, work with other photographers on their projects and, share their work through t-shirts and skateboards so it's been cool yeah so it's almost just like another little side like yeah. uh, create a project mm-hmm. that's cool and uh i guess to wrap up man like i guess i would do this ask like what's got you inspired right now and like anything you're kind of hoping to work on moving forward i think right now as um book stuff like that's where i'm just trying to like find the excitement in the book and like look through the work and you know i'm fortunate to have a good relationship with moab papers so it's like I can do test prints like at volumes and not have to worry about like, well, I paid for the paper. So the support they show is is great. Um, so yeah, I think I'm really excited about the book thing and just with photos now, it's like more or less like what, if I'm out and something excites me that, and then I make a photograph. It's not about necessarily pushing myself to like, I got to make a photograph and th- that's where my head's at right now. So yeah, hopefully a book next year. Okay. Last question for any like anybody getting into photography what would be the advice you'd give them if if they want to pursue photography as their career their their life like what what would you say to them um i would advise that really sit and think what photography means to you if it is really this like excitement and self-expression and self-fulfillment that brings to you that then, then leave it. Then you don't have to leave it at that, but follow that. Cause I have people who I meet, oh, I have a day job. I love photography. I want to quit my job. And I will tell them like, can you manage the day job for a few years? And I'll tell them it's great if you can, because to be able to have the day job that takes care of the financial side of your life, you can take your time with photography and really grow it and find yourself and not feel the the foot stomping of you of I got to post something for Instagram today because at that point you don't really need to like stress social following mm-hmm. you can take your time and do what you want and then as things go maybe it does transition into where you're making a living from photography now versus a job that's what I always try to suggest to people is like what it means to you. if you just want to make money with it cool you can do that I mean e-commerce weddings yeah all these like very very various jobs that you can go do and if you want to say i'm making money at it mm-hmm. there's a way but there's also like look within and find what really speaks to you through photography and and follow that and be attentive to that because once you dismiss that i mean i'm sure you've met photographers who are like i don't take my camera out unless i'm getting paid or it's a job yeah, or, yeah, yeah. and it's like fuck man like imagine like <laughs> something that started out so passionate and exciting for you yeah. turns into something where it's like it stays in the bag unless i'm getting a check like i don't know to me it's just so fucking unfortunate and i think for me like if you if you really want to do it you'll be able to do it like i know this being from my own i worked like this shit job for like 10 years this like photo assisting that wasn't a shit job that was a good job but like you know working at warehouses at night or work at ups and it was 10 years of doing that shit i hated but then keep working on your work and i know at least i can say for myself it, it it will work if you just have the patience but that's for me that thing this is having the patience yeah it's, it's the patience but it's also yeah it's the understanding and i would just say like yeah like just spend time with your photos that you make look at them like yeah after you if it's digital after you process them like print them out if you can like and just look at them and appreciate your photos appreciate what you're doing and take your time with it because 
you know, nothing necessarily comes fast and nothing is, is forever. So, yeah, well, we can end it there, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. And, uh, if anybody else listening wants to check out your work, like where's the best place for them to go? Uh, my website, stephanvanasco.com. Uh, all my social handles are all my name. So pretty easy to find from there, but yeah, website is a, is a solid place to start. Perfect. Thanks so much, man. No problem. Thank you. So there you have it. That was the Stefan Vanasco interview. Uh, just want to thank Stefan so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure talking to him and uh, getting to stop by his studio in LA and seeing some of his work and things he's working on. So I uh, can't, can't thank him enough for taking the time. He does really cool work. So definitely go check out Stefan's website at stefanvanasco.com as well as definitely go give him a follow on Instagram where he's always posting uh, uh, cool photos and projects he's working on. Uh, his website is stefanvanasco.com. I'll put all the links in the description so you can go right there to check him out. Uh, but as always, thanks so much for listening, guys. Um, I'm going to keep uploading. I know it hasn't been as much lately, but still going to keep pumping out interviews. Uh, you can go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as the Photo Banter YouTube page if you want to check out the video version. And uh, yeah, thanks so much and take care.